today on the Tearsheet Podcast. I think initially uh, Vanguard had data and analytics teams uh, kind of across the business, really creating value, um, helping uh, our, our clients uh, uh, achieve investment success. But we had a vision that we wanted to scale the use of data and analytics. We wanted it to do more, be more productive, be more efficient. Um, with our use of, of data and analytics. And so that's where the, the impetus, if you will, came to, to okay, how, how can we centralize in order for us to, uh, to find those efficiencies, but also stay close to the business um, because context matters, right? We, we don't do data and analytics for data sake. We're doing it to, to, help, our, to help our clients, to help investors. Um, we're doing it to um, really create value. And, and so that's, that's, that's how it started. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast where we explore the dynamic intersection of data, finance, technology, and innovation. I'm Tearsheet's Editor-in-Chief, Zach Miller. In today's episode, we dive deep into the world of data-driven decision-making with Ryan Swan, the Chief Data and Analytics Officer at Vanguard. At Vanguard, Ryan leads the charge in leveraging data analytics, AI, and machine learning to empower investors towards financial success. With a career spanning over two decades in this evolving field, he shares invaluable insights on the transformational journey Vanguard has undergone in centralizing their data and analytics function. In our conversation, Ryan unveils the challenges and triumphs encountered along the path of centralization, shedding light on the pivotal role of aligning data strategies with the overarching business objectives. His vision of combining offensive strategies like hyper-personalization and Gen AI with defensive approaches like privacy by design sets the stage for Vanguard's forward momentum in 2024. Join us as we explore the dynamic fusion of finance and data science through the lens of Ryan Swan, offering a wealth of expertise and foresight in Vanguard's data revolution. Here's my conversation with Ryan. Great. So who are you and what do you do? Hey, Zach. So I'm Ryan Swan. I'm the Chief Data and Analytics Officer at Vanguard. At Vanguard, we're a large asset management uh, firm. And, and what we're responsible for in the CDAO is, is leveraging data, analytics, AI, and ML to help um, our clients have the best chance for investment success. And we do that by um, managing the entire data lifecycle, um, as well as data science, behavioral science, and, and how do we deploy uh, AI and machine learning um, that uh, that allows us to bring those capabilities, our advice methodology uh, to life. Awesome. Well, welcome to the show. I'm looking forward to speaking to you, Ryan. Thanks, Zach. Um, what specific challenges or pain points did Vanguard experience before centralizing your data and analytics function? I'm kind of curious like how that spurred on Mm-hmm. centralization, how that addressed those issues? Yeah, it's a great question, Zach. You know, I think initially uh, Vanguard had data and analytics teams uh, kind of across the business, really creating value, um, helping uh, our, our clients uh, uh achieve investment success. But we had a vision that we wanted to scale the use of data analytics. We wanted it to do more, be more productive, be more efficient um, with our use of, of data and analytics. And so that's where the, the impetus, if you will, came to, to okay, how, how can we centralize in order for us to uh, to find those efficiencies, but also stay close to the business um, because context matters, right? We, we don't do data and analytics for data sake. We're doing it to, to, help, our, to help our clients, to help investors. Um, we're doing it to 
um, really create value. And, and so that's, that's, that's how it started. Makes sense. And when did you start that process? Like when was that thinking sort of generating? And I guess how long is this, this sort of movement, you know, taken yeah. within the firm? Yeah. So, so we stood up the chief data and analytics office about two, about two and a half years ago. Um, we started with the, the overarching, uh, you know, enterprise strategy. Um, we uh, then centralized the crew. Um, and, and, and now we're at a point where we're starting to really unlock those efficiencies and also build scalable capabilities that, 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 that leverage data kind of horizontally across the organization. And so um, it's been, uh, it's been, it's been great. What were, um, I guess, some of the challenges in doing that? So it, I, it sounds like this is a new approach, um, decentralization and, and looking at sort of across the organization. I, I guess, like, what were you up against in terms of getting the company, the entire company on board to be able to move yeah. this forward? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, some of the biggest challenges when you centralize a data and analytics uh, across uh, the industry. And so I've been, uh, I've been at this for 20 plus years. And, and what I can tell you is that um, in a decentralized place, a decentralized organization, the data and analytics is very, very tailored to the business line that they are supporting, right? They, they sit in uh, one business versus another and they, and they really understand the business and that's great. The challenge becomes that those data professionals see very little career pathing. They see very little development opportunities. And as we... Because they're very siloed, in, I guess, in that Because they're very yeah. siloed in essence. That's right. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so as data and analytics, AI and, and machine learning become more integrated into our business, it becomes a harder to retain that talent. It becomes harder to... Um, provide uh, cross-functional data and analytics where you're combining data from multiple business units to bring it together. And so what we did was we said, hey, let's bring those organizations together, but let's keep them co-located with the business. So they still got that close touch point with the business. Their, their OKRs, if you will, their objectives for the year are the same objecti objectives of that business. But now because they're in the CDAO, we can provide that development plan. We can provide that, uh, th those, uh, those capabilities um, horizontally that allow us to take it, that allow us to take it to the next level while we become more efficient, right? While we reduce some of the redundancies, whether it be from a software perspective or from a best practice perspective to say, hey, no, this is this is the path that we're going to go down. Why? Because there's multiple synergies that we're trying to unlock um, and kind of and creating that connective tissue. So you actually just um, presaged my next question, Ryan, like um, what were some of the the takeaways, I guess, from having instituted this model, like were some some of the benefits or synergies that you mentioned mm -hmm. that the that the organization experienced? Yeah. So one, it allows um, um, data and analytics professionals to to rotate and learn other other parts of the business um, faster, easier. It also allows. Um, um, wins or best practices or capabilities that that get developed to support one business to be able to quickly move them to uh, a, another side of the business 
in order to in order to unlock value, reducing that development cost, right? Um, but from a employee engagement perspective, a kind of employee development perspective, our data scientists are able to learn from other data scientists because they 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 they're working, they're in the same organization. They might not necessarily sit directly next to each other, but we come together on a regular basis, kind of kind of kind of in a in a hub type of uh, mentality so that we can bring those learnings those learnings together um, and then we also are able to share capabilities we're able to share uh, a thought leadership those types of things while staying close with the business and so it is a um, you know I always use the analogy that it's a pendulum it's it's like you know organizations in financial services they go from decentralized or siloed to like a, a maybe like a hub and spoke or a hybrid type of centralized to to fully centralized and everything is you know in in a separate building and it's a hundred percent and we're not there we are centralized from like a organization, an organizational perspective. Um, but when you look at where folks are physically located, what's on their OKRs, what things are, are they focused on? We, we, we closely align that to um, our, the business, which is aligned to uh, the overarching mission uh, of Vanguard. And so, and so it, it works really well for us. I like that idea of thinking of it as a pendulum because I was even this move to um, centralizing it, you can, I guess, over-centralize it too, right? Where That's where right. you lose some of the agility at the business level, right? That's right. That's right. And uh -huh. that was and that initially, um, and that was a valid concern from business leaders. And mm -hmm. so, as we as we stood up the strategy, and we and 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 we went went out and talked to all of my peers, all of the business leaders and business executives, that was a valid concern. And the one way that we address that is we say, hey, listen. Your OKRs are my OKRs. Your your goals are my goals, right? I that's the what. I'm going to work on the how, right? And, and on how we do it in a way that allows us to reduce our costs so that we can uh, we can give more back to um, to our investors, but that we can also unlock synergies and, and capabilities that we were never we were we were never able to do before right and so to, to get us to that next level of maturity um and and that that is that has worked out well and it is a partnership i i tell folks a, a lot of time i spend a significant amount of my time kind of straddling that fence between kind of the technical side of what we do and the business side of like why it matters and connecting the dots to um to the actual business outcomes that are gonna that are gonna allow us to take a stand for all investors and help them achieve investment success. So, so that's kind of how I think about it. So Ryan, I'm also curious, like given your role sitting on top of all this, um, what were some of the organizational opportunities that you had in terms of being able to, like what level did you have to sell this or, or, or politic this internally to, to, to get, to get other executives on board for this vision mm -hmm. that you had for, for the CDAO? Yeah, so so at Vanguard, um, our, our 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 managing directors, our CEO, were were all aligned initially. I think um, the 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 senior staff had made a decision uh, early on that they wanted to have a chief data and analytics office, right? Because uh, they had the vision to see where data and analytics was going, where we were going with AI. You know, Gen AI has, has accelerated that for everyone. 
Um, and, and so, so there was there was executive uh, alignment very early on, um, as well as at the board level. Um, and so, and so when I came in as as, as Vanguard's first chief data and analytics officer, uh, I knew I had that support, but I also wanted to make sure that um, the different business units. Um, all were aligned as well. And so as part of our strategy, you know, I went to uh, uh, quite a, num- a good number of meetings with those leaders to understand where they were coming from, understanding where they were on that maturity curve of, of, of data acumen and AI acumen. So mm-hmm. I can meet them where they were. And as part of that strategy, um, we could put a plan together, to, uh, we could put a plan together it collectively to ultimately achieve that, right? And so, and so, what I what I always tell leaders, um, particularly data and analytics leaders, is that you have to create that partnership. You can't do this. This is a this is a team sport um, because ultimately, you you don't want to create capabilities that sit on the shelf that that never get used, right? And, and that adoption piece, how how your dashboards or your AI models, your machine learning models, how those things are adopted and put into the business process is very important, right? Uh, just as important as the math. Okay. So 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 that was um, something that that we that we did that we had to do, you know, very on and and, and, and in prior lives, those those have been challenges. And so I I, I kind of I kind of seen it bef- seen that 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 record before, so to speak, that movie before. Uh, and, and we were able to we were able to get it done and get alignment and, and it's been great. Had you done this before, create a you know CDAO in in other financial services organizations? Yeah, I had, I, I, I had like I said, I've been in the in the field for twenty not plus your first years. Radio. I, yeah, not my first radio. I did it in a public sector. I did it in a private sector before, and so uh, it, so I, I kind of knew what I was getting into, so to speak. And in large enterprises, particularly regulated industries, so when you think about finance, healthcare, pharma, defense, mm-hmm. um, there are uh, you know, there, there are typically a lot of challenges and sometimes there's resistance to change, right? Change is hard. Uh, every, right. you know, everyone knows you that. You have to break things. Uh, you you got you yeah. got, you got, you got to break things, but when you can connect the things, those things that you break to the actual value that they bring and you can kind of, you can kind of meet them where they are and you can kind of get that alignment. It helps with that experimentation culture, that entrepreneurial mindset that's ultimately going to allow you to, uh, move to the next level and create, open up more value for your for your client, uh, and that's what that's that's what we've been able to do. That makes a lot of sense, um, Ryan. You mentioned that the co locating teams improved the mm-hmm. career paths for for some <laughs> of the folks in data analytics. Uh, can you talk a little bit more about that and maybe how, yeah. how the how that dynamic plays out? Yeah, let me let me unpack that before, uh, a little bit. So previously. If you were a data analytics professional, you would be in an organization, right? In the business organization, um, and if and if you wanted to grow in that business organization, ultimately, you would have to come. You would have to step out of the data and analytics profession, right? Because your your manager is likely not a data professional. Mm. Your manager is a business leader, a business manager, or a business executive, right? So and so you kind of so max out in that role. You kind of max out, right? Uh-huh. Exactly. You kind of max out. There was there was there was there was no career path that you could see kind of going um, to the higher levels of, of of the organization, and so. By centralizing um, in the CDAO, they now uh, those data 
and analytics professionals now have a career path that they can see that allows them to get to higher levels of the organization, supporting different types of businesses, some enterprise level, some at the at the divisional level, some cross-functional, et cetera. Where the co-location brought value is that it allowed the data and analytics professionals to keep the context of what it is they were uh, analyzing to, so that they could help the business grow versus taking them out of that environment, putting them in, you know, the, 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 the building collectively off to the side, they lose that connective tissue of, of, of what it is that the business is actually trying to achieve. I, I always tell uh, our leaders is when we get a request from the business, understand like where it's coming from, not just the request, but you, you know, you ask why five times so that you can kind of like unpack what it is that you're, you're ultimately, what is the actual hypothesis that we're trying to test? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so the co the co-location with the centralization, I thought was a, was a kind of a great balance, if you will, um, to kind of get the best of both worlds to, to give that, 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 professional development, that career pathing, those synergies, but also stay co-located so that you can keep the connective tissue of what you're working on today so that we can unlock value um, uh, and help our help our investors have investment success. So so that's kind of how we how we viewed it. That makes a lot of sense. And I can imagine that it also has an impact on recruiting new talent in, right? Mm-hmm. Like has it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, from a, a talent perspective, um, uh, you know, from an entry level, m- mid-career and even even senior executives, they as we you know, it's been post-COVID, it, it's been a very competitive market in data mm-hmm. and analytics. And and even even after, you know, Gen AI it is accelerated even more. And so what we have to do is is kind of create um, an environment where data and professional data and analytics professionals can be successful and can see the long-term vision of, of Vanguard and, and having a career here. We're a very rotational culture anyway at Vanguard. Um, and so by having the C- CDAO, a data professional, a data scientist can say, hey, not only can I have a career here and see the 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 uh, my my path on where I can grow, but I can rotate into different parts of the business, stay in my profession, and learn um, new things, take on new challenges, and deepen my expertise, um, all while developing my career and continuing to grow. Um, and so you're kind of getting the best of the worlds, and that's and that's really attractive to talent. That's that's really uh, we, uh, what I find. Um, our our junior, our, our entry level data scientists and data analysts, they're they're looking for that. Hey, they want to come to a place they can grow. They want to come to a place they can solve hard hard stuff, right? And, and they want to come where they can they can be connected to the mission and make a difference. Uh, and that and that's why Vanguard. That's that's why I came to Vanguard. Uh, that's why Vanguard has been has been great. Um, and are you finding a lot of whether wherever they are on the maturity cycle? Um, mm-hmm. A lot of new hires coming in from without the financial services industry. Like, are, th- yes. are these? Yeah, uh, t- tell us yeah. a little bit about that about the makeup of the team. 
Yeah, the makeup of the team is is diverse. Um, uh, even from a leadership perspective, data analyst perspective, yes, we absolutely have people that are focused kind of in finance because that's the industry that we're in. But we also have folks from the pharma industry. We have folks from uh, uh, from the liberal arts um, that have taking a passion and interest in data and analytics and kind of have self-taught, have went back to school, have learned on the job and kind of created capabilities. But then that allows us to bring that diversity of thought uh, that we love as we're thinking about challenges, as we're thinking about um, the risk associated with leveraging uh, AI and ML. For example, we we really take an offense and defense approach to our strategy. So we want to create value, but we want to do it in a responsible way. And so so by having that diversity of thought, it allows us to actually um, see the different vantage points so that we can mitigate the risk as we unlock that value. And so um, my, le- my leadership team actually has a wide range of, of backgrounds from, you know, the English major to the PhD in physics, right? And, and everything in between. And so it's, it, it's, it's, it's a great culture. And, and Vanguard, like I mentioned before, Vanguard, we we believe in rotation. And so when you rotate into a new space, there's a learning curve, right? Cause you gotta, you gotta, you, you gotta understand the business. You gotta understand that, that new role. And that's built into what we do at Vanguard. And so uh, it, it's a great, it's a great place to, for talent that want to grow and want to learn something new uh, and, and not be afraid to fail. Because when you, when you fail, you know, you're going to fail forward. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to, oh, that was interesting. Okay. We should, we should, we should account for that next time. And so that's, that's what it's about. I'm smiling as you're saying this, because actually I was thinking as you were talking, Ryan, like I have a few friends that are chief data scientists in Mm -hmm. fintech companies, not necessarily Mm -hmm. in incumbents, though they did work in incumbents previously. And they are absolutely the type of uh, executive that you were describing. They're not, they were sort of self-taught. They didn't, they don't have a PhD in, in data science. Um, but they're mad scientists, they're absolutely mad yeah. scientists, you yeah. know, and it's like yeah. some of the most creative people I know. Yeah. And, and what we find in the industry is that what we find in the industry is that um, individuals that come from different backgrounds, they bring that knowledge into data science, data analytics, machine learning engineer, and they're able to, to, to come at it from a different perspective that, that, that will surprise you, right? And, and you end up with solutions that you would have never thought of because someone studied biology, saw something in the life sciences, and understood uh, how that ecosystem worked and brought it and applied it in a totally different way. Um, and I think, I think that's, the, that's the power of having diversity of thought uh, uh, you know, within the organization. Totally agree. Um, I saw a stat um, that the CDO team helped save clients more than $100 million in 2022. Um, I'm curious if you could, you know, share a little bit more about that number and, and maybe some of the strategies or tools your team used to to drive those cost savings and yeah, improve so, investment behavior. Yeah. So what, what we do um, so across the organization, we have different initiatives that we partner with the business in order to create value, reduce costs. And typically, we try to measure what is the lift of a, the lift of the, the additional value created from a data product or analytic product. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the year, we had a number of uh, initiatives 
kind of across the organization uh, that we helped our retail business or our institutional business or uh, our advisors be more effective um, or cost savings from an efficiency perspective. And so mm-hmm. it is a combination, you know, of, of things. Um, but the important piece of it is, and what I would tell data and analytics professionals and data leaders, CDAOs, is that that the value that's created is not just the CDAO saying it. It is a partnership with finance and with the business on the methodology of how we measure it so mm. that it is uh, it's conservative in nature, but but it's something that you can in, that, that, that we can all align on. Right. And so that's super important. Right. Because when when I'm not in the room or, or when the CDAO is not there, I want that business executive to feel empowered to understand what value is being created by what capability, right? And so that's a process. It's a, it's a, I call it the people process of what we do and the, mm-hmm. the change management, but it's coming together as an organization and saying, okay, we know how effective uh, our sales executives are. We know how effective our advisors are, or our call center, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How do we help those those individuals be more productive? All right, let's let's do an A/B test. Let's do an experiment. Here's a capability that we built. Let's see if we can increase their productivity, help them do higher order things, and automate the manual things, the lesser value things, so that they can be more productive. And so, those capabilities um, touch across our business units, but also our clients in different ways from a client experience perspective or an advice perspective or um, our methodology, et cetera. So, so it's a wide range of, a wide range of stuff that goes into it, that goes into it. Um, so does that mean at least on the client side that um, the CDAO would also have impact say on, on the UI or the UX of, of the customer digital experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So from a client experience perspective, we use data and analytics, we use behavioral science to to help nudge our clients to help them achieve their goals. It could be something as simple as, hey, you're not taking advantage of your employer match or your 401k, right? right some proactive like, messages. Yeah, uh-huh. some proactive messages that, that make sense that are aligned to like the goals that you've already set it set sometimes, um, you know, emotion gets in the way, uh, uh, things, life gets in the way. We want to remind our clients that, hey, you have a goal. You want to reach retire- retirement. You want to, you know, save for the, co- the kids' college education or prepare for healthcare costs, et cetera. Um, those are the things on your roadmap. Here are some of the proven strategies that we think that, that we think are important to you. And, and sometimes they're low hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to help them nudge. We help, we, we do a, a, a next best action nudge type of capability that is on our client experience side. So absolutely. Got it. Um, and how many of those projects, sounds like you have a bunch of discrete projects that you work on with, with the business heads. How many of those are you juggling around the same time? So the organization probably juggles uh, probably somewhere between 15 and 20 mm-hmm. a, a, throughout the year. Um, there are different levels of maturity. Some build on each different other. Prioritization different prioritization. Uh-huh. Each of our business alliance, we, we have product owners that, that help prioritize that list that's connected directly to that 
that business strategy of that business of that business unit. And then there's kind of some enterprise things that we focus on that kind of cut horizontally. I know we have time for one last question. I'm curious. Um, it's been a crazy year. It's been a crazy few years, but what are you thinking about 2024? I assume you've begun planning or thinking about next year already or about to. Um, yeah. What are some of your goals or aspirations in the upcoming year? Yeah. So from, from a, a, a high level perspective, um, 2024, we'll continue to, to scale our, our, our capabilities, um, but we will also, one thing that I'm, I'm excited about is, is continuing to find ways to proactively bring together the offense of what we do, the creating value, whether it's through hyper-personalization, gen AI, um, you know, kind of an AI assistant that kind of helps our crew be more productive. And the defensive side of what we do, where we, we, we do things like privacy by design, where we find, uh, create models that helps us measure bias and all those things and proactively bring those together so that mm. at scale, we're in a much better place, right? And so that's something that, we're, that we, we, we focused on a lot in 2023 and we'll, we'll continue to do that in 2024. And so it's a great time to be in data analytics. I think there's a lot of value that, that we're, we'll be able to unlock for our investors. And, and I think the industry is changing, right? I think um, you're, you're, you're seeing that. I'm sure you see it, Zach, from your experience, um, how data and analytics, AI and ML has, has continues to fundamentally change some of our, our processes, some of the old ways that we've done things in financial services or in fintech. And I think that'll accelerate uh, in, in 2024 for sure. Ryan, it has been a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed our time together. Thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. I appreciate it.